Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Today is another, another beautiful day. Hey, thank you guys for joining in on my podcast. This is Arthur Pearlie Martin with Biblical Principles for Inner Healing. If you're on here, please mute your phone. That way we won't hear the background noise unless I'm... But if you have a question when I'm finished, um, I'll stay on for a minute so you can... Buzz in an actual question. Okay, today we're going to talk about shipwreck <laughs> relationships. It's something the Lord has put in my belly for a few days, and I'm ready to release it. I'm ready to release it. It's like ready, set, go. It's time to release it and let it go. Um, because we know that the family is definitely a thing that the devil is would love to see uh, severed. Um, but again, we know um, that, uh, like we like we always spoke of earlier, you know that the devil is coming for the word, right? So we have to hold on to the word of God. But first, we're gonna pray again. Thank you guys for that who are listening in. This is Arthur Pearlie Martin, Biblical Principles for Inner Healing, and um, we're gonna get ready to pray before we start. Father, we just thank you for being together in the midst of us. Um, you said where two or three are joined together, there you are. And Father God, we just thank you for being here right now. We thank you for your anointing that's going to destroy every yoke. In the name of Jesus, give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, a heart to believe, eyes to see, ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us this day. I thank you, Father, for uh, people will be delivered Save and set free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you know um, Jesus said he did not come to bring peace? Right? We're gonna we're gonna tune in here. He said, I did not come to bring peace. But a sword. Let's dig into this. You say, What? Jesus didn't come to bring peace. No, he said he is peace. And and those who keep our minds stayed on him, that he would keep us in perfect peace. Um, but what he said was, he said, I did not come to bring peace. John 14 and 3. Um, Jesus said, I come again. Hold on one second. But he said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I did not come to bring peace. But if we want peace... We're going to have to keep our minds stayed on him. Matthews 10. If we want peace, we're definitely going to have to keep our minds stayed on him. Matthews 10, 34. I want to read the Bible hub so I can read different translations. Um, Matthews 10, 34. It says, um, English Standard Version. It says, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace. But a sword. <laughs> Luke 12, 51, the cross-reference says, Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but division. You're saying, um, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Let's go on a little bit further. Let's go down a little bit further. Um, Luke, Mark, Matthews 10, 33 through 35. Let's see. It says, but whoever denies me before men, I also will deny him before my father in heaven. Do not assume that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. 
For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. We're going to expound on this right here so we make sure we get a good understanding of what he's saying. Okay, hold on one second. Let's go into it a little bit more. Matthews 10. Whoever, 10, Matthews 10, 40. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet receives a prophet. Uh, he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is righteous, a righteous person, will receive a righteous person reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of water, be, uh, a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. I, I want to go back up here. Let me go back up here a little further. He says, um, 34, let me read it again here. Um, 1034, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Mm. So he's saying here he's going to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemy will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever takes not this cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Hmm. So what is he saying here? What you mean you didn't? He said, I didn't come to bring. Look at the wording. He said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. Remember, Jesus tells us and teaches us that in this world, we're going to have some trouble. Right. But those who keep their mind stayed on him, he will keep in perfect peace. So really what I was trying to get to the part was uh, how he said he didn't come to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. And now a mother would be set against the daughter and the father against the son and so on and so forth. So what do, what do you mean by that? He said, I come to bring a sword. And how many of you know that the sword, remember, the Bible tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God, right? So he said, I come to bring the sword. I came to bring the word. And that's what's going to cause division and dissension within the families. That's what's going to cause division and dissensions um, within the body, um, in the earth is when you believe I'm a believer of Christ and you're not, that's the sword. The sword is going to separate us. The sword is going to divide us. The sword is going to put, it's going to pit a daughter and a mother-in-law against each other because the daughter is going to be believing, in, the mother's going to be believing in Christ and the daughter is not going to be believing in Christ. I, I, I know this is true for myself because I experienced this. You know, my mother became a believer and um, none of her kids were saved. And we was looking at her like, who is this person? I mean, she had a Damascus Street experience, you guys. Okay, she was not the same person. She was not the same person. She was not the same person. We're like, who in the world? My mother had changed so much that we missed her. It was like she wasn't even there anymore. That's how dramatic her change was. That's how, how her dramatic her encounter with Jesus Christ was. It's like one week you cuss and the next week, but well, she never really cursed a lot around us. But one week you curse and the next week you're not. 
I mean, you was a to she was a totally different person. She was a totally different person. So it was putting us at odds because when we would come to her to say something, when we would come to her to say something, it was like she just wanted to give us the wisdom of God, right? Well, we didn't want the wisdom of God because we did we was none of his because we didn't have the spirit of God. But it would be it wouldn't it wouldn't be a Bible sermon or anything like that. It would just be like um you need to get your life right. <laughs> when we would come to her with a prom a problem, you know, she wasn't trying to use her own wisdom. She wasn't trying to lead to her own understanding. So when we would come to um when we would come to her with a problem, she would come to us with the with the with the word. And what the word would be, it wouldn't be a sermon because we weren't saved. It would be you need to get your life right. And you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. She said, uh, you need to get your life right. And you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's what she would say. In that order, because that was the order, because I can't tell you you need to change and not tell you how to change, right? And change don't come without a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you know that life, it just don't work right without Jesus Christ? It don't. Life don't work right without Jesus Christ. So she would tell us, so what, what is it that's causing all of this turmoil? What's going to set at variance a mother-in-law against a daughter and a daughter against a mother and a father against a son and all this kind of stuff when we're on different sides of the track? You know, Amos 3 and 3 asked the question. He said, how can two walk together except they both agree, right? How can they walk together? My title of my sermon is, I don't know if I told you early, Shipwreck Relationships. So here Jesus is telling us there's going to be some shipwreck relationships because of, we're on different sides of the gospel. And that's really what it's all about. It's a spiritual warfare. I know that we think that we our fight is against flesh and blood people. But for real, according to Ephesians 6 and 12, our fight is against demonic demons. Right? Ephesians 6 and 12. And when we, when we get that revelation that my fight is not against my brother, my fight is not against my sister... My fight is not against uh, my aunt, my uncle, or whoever it is. Then we can have compassion for one another, and we can begin to pray for one another. Ephesians um, 6 and 12 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having gird your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Above all, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then you need to put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? So Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And a sword is going to separate and divide. Because those who don't believe in Christ, 
are going to be, spiritually speaking, they're going to sometimes be at odds with the ones who do believe in Christ. But as born-again believers, it's our responsibilities as ambassadors of Christ and ministers or reconciliators is to help reconcile these people, our family members, our loved ones, and anyone else that we encounter, our neighbors, people that's in our influence is our neighbors. As ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliators, it's our responsibility to reconcile people back to the Father, reconcile our family members back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because um, otherwise, you know, the devil wants to shipwreck our family. But I don't know about you, but according to the word, God is interested in families, interested in household deliverance. Okay. He, when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he didn't just bring um, the, 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 the adults, but he brought the children. He brought the whole entire family and a few other people that came along. Okay. And then when Ahab, she took Ahab, the prost, Rahab, the prostitute, went in to protect, uh, protect the spies, they promised her, listen. If you'll, if you'll uh, hide us and not tell where we are, when we come in to destroy the land, we won't destroy your family. But this is what you have to do. You're going to have to put your entire family up in this room. And then when we come through to take the land, we're not going to mess with your family. It's um, Joshua 2, the story of Rahab. We're not going to mess with your family. But you need to take this red crimson cord. How many of you know that? Which represents the blood of Jesus. <laughs> you need to take this red crimson cord. And, and that's what we need to do. We need to take that red crimson cord and make sure we wrap it. The blood of Jesus. Make sure we wrap them and surround them and through prayer in the blood of Jesus. Because God is interested in household salvation. So he told Rahab, the prostitute, who helped the spies. She, she helped the spies. She hid the spies. When they came in, when Joshua and them came in to spy out the land, and um, she hid them. Right? Joshua 2 is Joshua 2, uh, 1 through 24. That's where you'll find the story of Rahab, the prostitute. She, she made history, right? Because of what she did. She hid, the, she hid the spies. So when they came in, um, so they wouldn't kill them. Because God had promised them the land, right? And so uh, he told Moses to send in spies. So uh, Moses sent the spies in to spy out the land to see what they was going to have to do to conquer the land. And they promised her that if you hide us, if you if you don't tell where we are, when we come in, we're not we're not gonna kill anybody that's with you, because everything attached to you. See, look look at this. I just want you to know that um, even though it was Rahab that helped the spies, they they didn't just say we're gonna save you. But they said, we'll save your house, too, because you was faithful to us. They said, we're not going to just save you, but we're going to save your household, too. Let, let me read it here. Bible Hub. Joshua 6, let's see, Joshua 6, 25. And Rahab's 
Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwelled in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So Rahab and her family was saved. That you know, when the spies came in um, to uh, destroy the land, her family was not destroyed. When the devil sent his demons in, he wasn't able to conquer her family because she was covered. <laughs> she was covered by the blood of Jesus, that red crimson cord. That's what separated her. That's how they was able to identify her because of the blood. The, the bloodline, the red cord represents the bloodline, that red crimson cord. They saw the blood and they said, no, we're going to bypass here. They, the death angel, when it came to the, um, when it came through the camp, um, it did not, was enabled. The directions uh, Moses gave was, you know, what, put the blood over the doorpost. And when the death angel come through, it's going to see that blood and it's not going to be able to touch you. <laughs> so we need to put the blood. That's what the devil see when he see us, you guys. The devil, he sees the blood of Jesus over us. We got to get back to talking about the blood because we have to have faith in the redemptive blood of Jesus to even believe Psalm 91. We have to have blood, faith in the blood of Jesus to be able to believe and know that we're protected. It was the blood of Jesus that protected the children of Israel from the angel of death, from the death angel. And it's that same blood that protects us today when we put our faith in what the word of God say. The death angel, death, you cannot come here. Death does not live here because when you see the blood, it's not faith in a, in a shop. It's faith in the blood. And when you see the blood, uh, you got to pass us by. Um, the Holy Spirit is taking me, it seems to be a taking me in another direction. I, I want you to know that, um, God is interested in household in the same way the devil wants to pass down the generational curse. God wants to pass down the generational blessing. I, I want you to know it's so important that we're not so quick to cut people off and to cut people out. Um, but when we're having conflict, we're going to have to ask the Lord for his wisdom to deal with this complicated situation. And so I like to say, because the word of God says, it's the goodness of God that draws us people to repentance, right? It's the goodness of God, not the anger of God, not the judgment of God, but we're under a new covenant. It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. This is if they're not wicked because wicked, you know, there's a difference in evil and wicked. <laughs> Wickedness is a condition of your heart. Evil is a, just a bad attitude. When you're plot, you know, when you're wicked, you begin to plot and plan uh, and you move off into the things, the seven things that God hate. So what, what is wicked? You, um, it's, it, you get into the seven things that God hate. And when you run into people that are wicked, the goodness of God is not going to overcome it. Because Proverbs says, do not rebuke a wicked man unless he turns and hates you. Because you're dealing with a condition of a heart. So God knows that not everybody's going to change. Okay. Um, but he's interested in our household. So what are the seven things that God hates? Let's see if we can find it here. 
Seven things. It's in Proverbs. Seven things. Seven things God hates. Um, yes, the word hate is in the Bible. There's seven things that God hates. And when we see someone on this road, that's not a good road. That's not a good road to travel because God hates these seven things. This is this is really um the um the characteristics of wicked. Wicked and evil is different, you guys. Wicked wicked is a wicked will plot and plan. Wicked is like um Mordecai. Haman, the story uh, in the book of Esther, um, he had a wicked spirit. He was plotting, planning, and scheming, right? Okay, let's go. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked schemes. That's Proverbs 6, 18. He said he hate a heart that devised wicked schemes. So you, if you are a schemer, a plotter, or planner, I'm telling you, if you can hear my voice, and if it's convicting you in any way, now would be a time to repent of it. Don't harden your heart when you hear the word of God, because every time we harden our heart, when we hear the word of God, every time we say no to God, we harden our heart to God. So 18 says, he says he hates a heart that devised wicked schemes. Do you have a, I pray that none of you that are listening to the sound of my voice have a wicked heart because a wicked heart, they plot, plan, and they scheme. They do this stuff on purpose. An evil part, uh, when we're acting evil, that's an attitude. You're acting ugly. You're acting evil. Okay, but when you're wicked, that's when it goes down into the heart of a man. That becomes part of your character. And Proverbs say, don't even rebuke a wicked person lest they turn and hate you. I've ran into some wicked people. And how many of you know that God say he resists those that are proud? But he gives grace to those that will humble themselves. Therefore, submit yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil. So in dealing with relationships, I'm trying to stick with this. When you come across someone that has a that that devise wicked schemes, they're plotting. I'm not talking about an evil attitude. I'm talking about wicked because the world, um, they're doing what they're supposed to do. So when we have unsafe family members. The devil wants to take those relationships and cause shipwreck. He wants to tear them apart. And when we don't know how to properly communicate, what we do is we just shut people out. We don't know how. So what we do is what we need to do on some of those family relationships. And I'm not talking about the uh, the wicked, those that plot, plan, and scheme evil. But when what we need to do is go back and say, Lord, um, give me wisdom and to show me how, because you, you say Rahab's family and Acts 16, 31 says that when the angels opened the gates of the, you know, and the, the apostle Paul and them out, so the apostle Paul and them was free to leave. The prison guard became very afraid and, and the apostle Paul says, don't be afraid. We're still here. No one has gone. He said, but if you believe not only shall you be saved, but your household. Acts 16, 31. This was a promise that my mom stood on when she became saved. And when I got accepted Jesus Christ, this is a promise I began to stand on. Acts 16, 
31. If because I believe, Lord, not only shall I be saved, but my household. And we see that because that's what happened to Rahab. She believed what the spies said to her. I know that she believed because she acted on what she heard because she did not tell. That was her faith working. Her faith was made complete by her works. She believed that um, that they was going to come in and destroy that city. She believed that. And so she did. She acted on what she believed by not telling them where they were. Right. And because she believed not only was she saved, but her entire household was saved. And I don't know about you, but that's the promise I stand on, Acts 16, 31, because I believe like Rahab, like the prison guard, not only is God, will God save me, but he will save my household also. It's so important that we put the blood of Jesus around our family. Now he said, your family, he said, we're going to save your family. He didn't say friends. Because I'm not responsible for my friends. I pray for my friends. Come on now, because it's not just my four no more. But one thing I can lay claim on, because I have a promise, is Acts 16 and 31. Because I believe, because I believe like Rahab believed, because I believe like the Roman soldiers believed in Acts 16, 31. Not only shall I be saved, because see, that promise is for us too. See, God is no respectable a person. And the same promise he meant for them is the same promise he means for us because his word changes not, right? I, I want to try to get through Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Okay, so in 18, he says, a heart that divides wicked schemes he hates, feet that are quick to rush into evil. Watch where your feet go. Are you going around spreading gossip, spreading bad rumors about people, family members, whoever? God says he hates it. He hates feet. That are quick to rush into evil. You like a dog carrying a bone, you from house to house, spreading gossip, spreading bad, wicked rumors, trying to ruin people's reputation and character. These are things that God says He hates. He said He hates a false witness who pours out lies. So I'm telling you what God hates. So if we can if you are in the sound of my voice, and you and if you are convicted or convinced. Of, it, of doing any of these things, now will be a good time to repent because every time we say no to God, we resist God and God resists us. Because how many of you know, the Bible says God resists the proud. Proud people don't want to submit to God because they see themselves as being God. And I got this God and I don't need to. I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want. And that brings me to King Saul. Because the Bible says he didn't do what God told him to do. He did what he wanted to do. And so the prophet came to Saul and said, you know what? Rebellion is equal to the sin of witchcraft. Some of us are practicing witchcraft <laughs> and don't even know it. Because when we're out of line with God in any area of our lives, and we're knowingly doing this, whether it's in family, marriage, uh, friendship, whatever, when you knowingly is out of line, because for him that know it to do good and do it not for him is sin. So are you shipwrecking your family's relationship because you refuse to repent? We have to operate as believers. We're called to be ambassadors. If you're the believer in your family, you might be the only one. 
Excuse me. If you are, then it's your responsibility to be the light in the midst of that darkness. It's your responsibility to be the peacemaker and not to be drawn into the drama, but to be able to operate in the wisdom of God and to be able to say what he said. So that brings me, I want to, I want to, I'm going to see if I can finish here. Okay. And 19 says, this is the last one, a false witness who pours out lies. Okay. The last one is, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community or conflict within the family. Let me, let me read another version of it that makes it plainer. There are these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to do evil, a false witness who speak lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. One of them say the family. God hates that. God is not the author of confusion. What's gonna, what happens is the thing that divides and separates us is the word of God. When you're when you decide to take a stand for Christ, you're going to be persecuted. Yes, even in your family. But know that um, when people don't know God, they can't act like God. When people don't know God, they don't live like God. So they're acting the way they're supposed to be acting. They're doing what the devil tells them to do. But rebellion is equal to the sin of witchcraft, right? Because when why is this? Because when rebellion um, we exercise our will above God's will. When we are in rebellion, we operate, we, um, we put our, we put our will above God's will. And we say, God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's when we become a God in our own life. That's a very dangerous place to be in. Okay. So the Bible says that he told King Saul, the prophet Samuel said, it, rebellion is equal to the sin of witchcraft. So uh, King Saul, King Saul and David, that's a good relationship I like to talk about. But um, let me ask you this question before I get into that. So we say that when someone is um, not saved, then they're doing what the fathers say, right? Because the Bible says Jesus was saying you are of your father, the devil, and you'll do what you, you know, what he say. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation because Romans tells us he who have not the spirit of God is none of his. Okay. So understanding that and understanding Ephesians 6 and 12, that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood people and that we as believers to those that believe he gave power to become the sons of God, that we as believers, we can lay hands on the sick, that we can cast out devils, okay? Understanding and knowing that we're not dealing with the person, that we're dealing with the spirit that's operating through the person. It causes us to have a whole entire outlook for our family members, and not just our family members, but for people, period. It it should cause us as ambassadors of Christ and ministers or reconciliators to want to be able to take authority over that spirit that's using our loved ones. Because God has promised us in Acts 16, 31, just like he promised the prison guard and just like he promised Rahab, that if we believe, not only shall we be saved, but our household also. But he wants to shipwreck the friendships. He wants to shipwreck the family. He wants to shipwreck uh, the marriage by how? Stealing our faith. Um, we have to have faith to believe anything that God say 
in order to be able to believe anything that God says. See how simple that is? So when we don't know what the word of God say concerning our marriage, uh, the devil, he comes. Um, we destroy for a lack of knowledge. Um, what we don't know is really hurting us. Whatever area in our lives that we're being attacked in, whether it's financially, whether it's with our family or whatever, we need to put on the full armor of God. We need to find out what the word of God say, because remember we read earlier that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. When he was talking about in Ephesians 6 and 12, 13, 14, all through down there about putting on the full armor of God. And he says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So um, our loved ones are acting like they're supposed to because the devil is using them. So, but as ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliators, we don't have to, um, we have to understand um, that we as born again believers can bind. God said, whatever you bind on earth, he said, I've given you the keys to the kingdom. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Uh, whatever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. And whatever you don't allow on earth won't be allowed in heaven. Right? So we have power and authority in the earth to rule and reign as kings and priests over demonic spirits. And those spirits that's using our family members, we're going to have to take authority over them because God has promised us, like he did Rahab. He promised Rahab that if when the spies, Joshua said, when we come, the spies said, when we come in and we see this red, it's, it's about having faith in the blood, not faith in the shot. It's about having faith in the blood. It's about having faith in the blood, because without faith in the blood, you're not going to be able to have faith in Psalms 91. No evil should come now. My uh, no evil should come near me. No sickness, no disease should come. Now. No pestilence should come near my dwelling place. That's not going to work for you if you don't have blood faith in the blood of Jesus, the redemptive. He didn't just die to save us. He died to redeem us from the curse of the law. What is the curse? Any and everything that's evil, any and everything that's contrary to who he is and to how he is, is, uh, is the curse. Sickness, disease, poverty, all this is part of the curse. And any other evil or any other thing that comes contrary to what he says. So let's, let's go back here. Remember one of the things that he hate was um, um, a wicked, a, a wicked a part that plots and plans and schemes evils. A plan evil, right? That was in Proverbs. He hated that. That was one of the things. And uh, it was Proverbs 6 and 18. A heart that devised wicked plans. Feet that are swift from running to do evil. God said he hates these things. He hates these things. So I want to talk about shipwreck relationships. Shipwreck relationships. Whether it's family, friends, or whoever. I want to talk about shipwreck Relationships, and I like to go to First um, Samuel nineteen, where we're, we're going to talk about where King Saul's son Jonathan hid David. Um, if you get a chance, go back and read the story of how of First uh, Samuel chapter nineteen, um, where King Saul became envious of David. But King Saul had an evil spirit that would trouble him. And so David, who the Lord had anointed king, um, King Saul had anointed him to come and play the harp for him. And when David would play the harp for him, it would drive away the evil spirits 
Right. And how many, you know, that's why worship is so important because worship drives away demonic warfare spirits. Okay. So um, then David, um, King Saul started sending David out to war. King Saul started becoming envious of David. David, they, they began to chant his name and said, David killed, King Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousand. And so he began to get envy of him. And he began to throw uh, arrows at him when he would play for him. So David knew that King Saul was trying to kill him. So David had to leave his presence. And I'm, I'm coming here to say, when do you cut it off? When do you let it go? There is a time and a place. And when the heart is wicked and it's plotting and planning and scheming, that's when it's time for you to leave. Because Proverbs tells you not to even correct a wicked person. And I've done that before. Lest they turn and hate you. That's what Proverbs says. It's a wicked heart because it's always plotting, planning, and scheming evil. Evil, evil, evil trying to set you up. Lying on you, spreading false rumors about you. That's a wicked and an evil heart. Don't let one be found in you. If it is, you know, you can repent any time. Are you plotting and planning someone else's demise? This is why vengeance is so dangerous. This is why the Lord said, vengeance is mine and I shall repay. The Bible say that a brother is born for adversity, right? Vengeance is mine and I shall repay. But really, at the end of the day and beginning of the day, I want—I just really want to ask this question also before I get in this story about First Samuel 19. Um, the reason some of our relationships are shipwrecked is because we refuse to forgive. So what I have to ask the question is, is um, are you still angry about someone else's issues? Because when you are truly innocent, and you're really suffering because you really didn't do anything wrong, then that's what's called suffering for righteousness sake. When you're suffering for the gospel, when you're suffering for doing the right thing, and not as a meddler or a busybody in other people's business, but when you're suffering because you witnessed to your family members or you refused to, you know, you're being persecuted, talked about, oh, you just too much, all this, whatever then the Bible tells us that we need to rejoice because that means that the glory of the Lord is resting upon us. But if you're, um, so when you completely didn't have anything to do with it, I asked the question, are you still angry about someone else's issues? Because that's really what unforgiveness is. Because we already talked about how we're not fighting against flesh and blood people, Ephesians 6 and 12, right? Your fight is not against that physical flesh and blood person. So what it does is, so I will, we'll, we're understanding that. So I'm angry because of how you are. I'm angry because of who you are. I'm angry because of what you said. I'm angry because of what you did. It's going to shipwreck that relationship if you don't understand that it's nothing personal. It's what they did, right? And, and that's going to bring me to the story of Samuel, of how David was wanting to know why King Saul was trying to kill him because he know he hadn't did anything to him. Is somebody trying to kill you and you hadn't did anything to him? I mean, I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about uh, you killed your character, ruined your reputation, um, 
in any, just when I say kill here, I'm just talking about doing evil, bad things. Has anyone, and you know that you haven't did anything to them. But yet, they're coming for you. So First Samuel, um, the story of uh, David and King Saul is a perfect example of understanding um, that what King Saul, David understood that what King Saul had going on didn't have anything to do with him. That's why he was so, you know, flabbergasted, like, why is he trying to kill me? Let's look at um, 1 Samuel 19. I'm going to say New King James Version. I think I need to go a bit further because this says, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan, Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father field. Okay, I want to go up a little bit further because David was telling Samuel, I mean, Jonathan, that his father wanted to kill him. And, and, and Samuel said, no, that can't be. Okay, the Bible says, let's go to 1 Samuel 18. It says, Jonathan um, was knit to, to the soul of David. They had a soul tie. It was a healthy soul tie. They were friends. They were best friends, and they was loyal to each other. So Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then John, David was wanting to go home to his father's house. Okay, then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David. We're talking about the friendship between Jonathan and David. Jonathan was King Saul's son. So King Saul's son, Jonathan, had became best friends with David. He was loyal to David. Okay. Um, okay. And Jonathan took off the robe and, and was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and blow in, in his belt. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to get here now. Now it happened, so David went uh, out whenever Saul sent him, and behold, wisely, and Saul, Saul set, set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all people. Now the favor of God will cause people to be jealous of your life, okay? So Saul set David up an army, and he gave him some men, and then all the people, uh, they accepted him, okay? Now it had happened as they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women had come out of all the cities. In other words, David, uh, Saul sent David out to war, and David, the favor of God was on him. And the people began to say, David, uh, they, the, uh, the people began to say, the Philistines, okay, let me, I don't want to get everywhere. Verse 7, so the women sang as they danced and said, "When as David and them returned from the war from killing the Philistines, this is what the women began to say. They said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry. This first Samuel 18, Saul became very angry and the saying displeased him. He became angry. He, was, he began to get jealous because the people were talking about how Saul only killed thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. So the spirit of envy began to raise up in him. And then, um, and it happened on the next day, verse 10, that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside out. So David played music with his hand 
as at other times. I'm, I'm skipping First Samuel 18.10. Um, Saul began to get jealous of David. The spirits came back on him. David came to play the music for him. And um, so the demons would leave him alone. And Saul, while David was there playing, uh, uh, so David played music with his hands as other times, verse 10, 1 Samuel 18, 10. But there was a spear in Saul's hand. Mm. Now, remember, he's jealous. He's angry at David, but yet he's still hanging with him, but he's angry at him. <laughs> How many of you know that hate leads to murder? Envy leads to hate and hate leads to murder. So here he is. He's upset because the crowd is chanting. Saul killed his thousand. David killed his. So it made him angry. But the so the demon, the evil spirit came back on him, and it began to torment him. Right. So now David, who he who he's angry with because he's envy of, is coming there in his presence, still innocently, you know, playing the music for him. Saul has the spear in his hand, and Saul cast the spear at him. He said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. So David is up here, you know, innocently serving him, you know, thinking that he means some good, you know, think like he's always done playing the music. He didn't know that his heart had changed because envy had came inside of him. This is why I say envy is a dangerous spirit, but envy had came inside of him. So now he's trying to kill him because of that spirit of anger, envy that's inside of him. So now He's, he's going into wickedness, okay? He's went from envy to, you know, went from hate, envy to hate, hate leads to murder. Now he wants to kill him because he's jealous of him. <laughs> so this, this is what I'm talking about when a friendship is shipwrecked. But sometimes it has to be in that way because here's King Saul trying to kill David and David hadn't did anything to him, but served him. And in return for his good, King Saul was giving David evil in return for his good. That's a terrible thing to do because Proverbs say that if you return evil for if you return evil for good, evil will never leave your house. Right? So be careful how you treat people. When people are being kind to you, you need to be kind to them. Because when you're evil to people that's good to you, then those demons are coming for you. <laughs> Okay, so here, David David escaped Saul twice, you know, when he was trying to kill him, when he was throwing the sword, talking about he wanted to pin him to the wall. Now, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul saw the anointing that was on David's life. He knew that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Samuel came and told him earlier because he didn't obey God. Therefore, Saul removed him from his presence because he could not stand the anointing that was on his life. He was so jealous of him that he couldn't stand to be around him and made him his captain over. Uh, so Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people and David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. Some people want to kill you because they are afraid of you. <laughs> because they see the wisdom, the favor, and the presence of God upon your life. This is when the the um this is when this story, I don't know if I'm gonna get to finish it, but this is when I'm telling you, sometimes we're cutting people off too short. But when people are wicked, 
See, Saul had went to wicked. He went from evil, from envy to evil, from evil to hate, from hate to murder. Now he was wicked because as you begin to read the story, it's going to tell you how he was always plotting and planning and trying to scheme and trick David to kill him. Come on, David, come back. I'm not going to hurt you and all this kind of stuff. His whole agenda now, he had went from uh, it was all about trying to kill David, trying to kill his character, trying to kill. I'm, I'm bringing it into today's world, trying to kill his reputation, trying to. This is why envy is for, uh, a dangerous spirit. The Bible say where there's envy, where there's uh, where there's envy, there there's going to be where there's envy. There's going to be confusion where there's confusion and strife, where there's envy. You're going to find confusion and strife in every evil work. Envy is a very dangerous spirit. When people are jealous of you and people, people with a wicked heart, they can't, they're not, they're not going to repent because when you go from evil to wicked, you're not going to repent. A wicked heart, like I said, Proverbs say, don't even correct a wicked heart person because they're going to turn and hate you. And so Saul, he had a wicked heart. So his whole agenda, it wasn't about repenting anymore. He had, he had no desire to repent. His heart, he had given himself over to this wicked spirit. Wicked is worse than evil because evil is an attitude, but wicked is a heart condition. So he had a wicked, evil heart. And his whole agenda had become about trying to kill David. And Saul commanded his servant, communicate, communicate with David secretly and say, look, the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. So Saul's servant spoke those words in him. He was always plotting and planning evil. Please read that First uh, Samuel 18 because I'm not going to have time to go through all of that. But I just wanted to cover some of that so you can see how Saul went from where he was to where he ended up being. So now he hates David. He's jealous of David. He's afraid of David because he sees that God is with him. He sees he has the wisdom of God on him. He has the favor of God. He understands and knows that the anointing has departed from him. It's no longer on him. God is not with him. But God is with David. So he hates him. He hates him. And this is why you're hated. Because the Bible says that those who choose to live for Christ, you too will suffer persecution. And so like the same way the devil saw the anointing on David's life is the same way the devil sees the anointing in the spirit of God and the blood of Jesus on your life. <laughs> so I'm trying to get you to see it's nothing personal. You're taking it and you're making how other people are about you. But it's so important that David is a perfect example because in spite of how Saul treated him, he still continued to be nice to them, right? But he had to love him from a distance. And, and sometimes you have to love people from a distance because the truth of the matter is until people decide to change, they're still the same. <laughs> until people repent, until the Lord Jesus Christ delivered them and set them free, they're still the same. They may can pretend to be different for a little while, but how many of you know that a wolf can only hide in sheep clothing for so long? Eventually that demon is going to manifest itself again. And so here we see King Saul trying to trick David. He told his servant, King Saul, you know, likes you. He wants you to marry his daughter. He's trying to bring him back into his presence because he still wants to set him up to try to kill him. Be careful of that. 
I'm telling you, I, I, I don't fall for the okie doke because you telling me that you changed and you telling me that you sorry, that's not enough because you should be able to see sorry. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation. When you are truly sorry, my friend, you're going to be able to see it. Repentance is evident. When kings, when Saul was on the road to Damascus, we're talking about the apostle Paul. And he had that Damascus Street experience. You can see that he was different. When my mother got saved, you can see that she was different. Repentance is evident. So it's not enough just to say you're sorry. Because the truth of the matter is, I'm not fooled by that. Because unless you've been delivered, that demon is still in there. So let's remember to continue to pray for people. But you have to love some people from a distance. When people are have a wicked heart and they're constantly plotting and planning and scheming, they refuse to change. This is what happens. Saul is a perfect example of what happened. He spent the rest of his life trying to kill David. It was no longer about trying to tell God he was sorry, trying to do none of that. It was, it was, it was all about trying to kill David. He was consumed with evil. He was plotting and planning their demise. Is anyone trying to plot and plan your demise? Are you plotting and planning someone's demise? That's a dangerous game to play. But what I want to say is, are you angry about someone else's issues? Because when we don't forgive people, then really what we're, we're really just angry about how they are. But also, let me tell you this about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness sets us in a seat of self-righteousness because it causes us to th uh, look down on others and causes us not to see ourselves. And I think the reason people are afraid to forgive people like King Saul is because they think that forgiveness is, if I forgive you, that means I can come and, and, and be best friends with you, but that's not true. But if a person has, has changed, then that's, then that's good. You know, if they got delivered, that's good. But when you know that person is not delivered, they will continue to throw those swords at you, just like King Saul was throwing them swords uh, at King David. He was pretending to be his friend to bring him in his presence so he could try to sabotage. You ever, you, you know how we was in high school, Let's bring them over. Let's get everybody together. And then we're going to all go off on this person. We're going to corner in the bathroom. That was plotting, planning, and scheming wicked. I'm almost out of time. I'm not going to get to finish this. I need you guys to read 1 Samuel 19. Really what I'm trying to get at is that when Jonathan, um, David told Jonathan that his father was trying to kill him. And David was like, I mean, uh, Jonathan was like, no, that's not true. So David did a loyalty test. <laughs> okay. If he, I'm, I'm going to show you um, that my father is not trying to kill you. Right. He said, go and hide. This is the story about when Jonathan hid, hid uh, David. He said, go and hide. But see, David knew that he hadn't did anything to, to King Saul. David understood that what King Saul had going on didn't have anything to do with him. He says, now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, my father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you, this was the loyalty test. 
Jonathan wanted to say, look, I'm going to let you know if my father is still angry with you. How many of you know that you can look at a person's life? You can tell when a person has not forgiven you. You know, when you got somebody on your, uh, they're going to unfriend you when you put a good post on your page. Come on now. It's the small things. You can tell if a person has changed or if they haven't. When people act the same way, that means they have not changed. Okay. Jonathan spoke well of, of uh, David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works has been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistines, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why did will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Jonathan is like, why are you trying to do this to this man? This man has been nothing but good to you. But the Bible says, because later on you'll begin, if you continue to read that, David could not go and sit at, no longer sit at King Saul's table. He couldn't be, he couldn't be, even though David had nothing in his heart against Saul, Saul had stuff in his heart against David. And because Saul had stuff, he wanted to kill him. Even though David had nothing against him, he could not sit with him. He could not be friends with, he couldn't. You know, because Saul was bent on killing him. And how many of you know? And so this is when it's time to cut someone off. When they have a wicked heart. I'm not talking about a bad attitude. I'm talking about when a person has a wicked heart and they mean you absolutely no good. I'm not talking about suffering because of something that you did. Because if it's something you did, you need to say that you're sorry. Okay, you really need to say that you're sorry. Saying you're sorry doesn't is simply saying, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that I offend you. So if you had a part to play, you need to say you're sorry. And and, and the reason I, I believe that it's so hard for people to say they're sorry, because it's pride. It's all because pride, because they equate what they do as being who they are. What you do is not who you are, but an act in which you allow your flesh to commit. Please read First Samuel 19. But here, David was suffering for righteousness sake. He had done everything Saul asked him to do. He was loyal and faithful to him. And yet, King Saul, because of his own envy, it was his issue. Because David would be like, Saul, why are you trying to kill me? I've, I've done nothing wrong to you. So David knew that the problem was not with him because his heart had not condemned him. There was nothing in him that he had said or did. And I don't know, but I've experienced persecution at this level. I was an innocent bystander. But when you're dealing with wicked, because wicked is a whole nother demon. It's not evil. It's wicked. It's where people are plotting and planning and scheming. That is, that's not, that is not good. That's not somebody you can sup in fellowship with. Because when you, you can go from evil to wicked. If we don't forgive, you can go from evil, acting evil, to having a wicked heart. Because the more you practice evil, you become wicked. And there comes a place and a time where you can't, there's no time for repentance. I'm getting ready to have to go because my um, podcast is getting ready to end. But I think what I'm going to do is... I'm going to pick it up again on, um, I may try to pick it up on another podcast because I'm really just not getting to what it is I want to talk about. Because a lot of times we cutting people off prematurely just because they're under the influence of the devil. We need to pray for that person. But then there's times when you need to pray for people and love them from a distance because David didn't have anything against King Saul. I'm going to end it here. And I'm going to come back in part two. I'm going to end this part one. And I'm going to come back part two.
shipwreck friendships, relationships. And give me one moment. Thank you guys. I'm back from part two of Shipwreck. But this part I want to talk about loving from a distance. When do you have to love from a distance? Um, again, we were talking about the story of King Saul and David, right? Um, King Saul, was, he, he was telling everyone because he became envious of David because he saw the favor of God on his life, the anointing of God on his life. And he began to um, throw spears at him. He wanted to kill him because of the envy that was in his life. It wasn't that anything was wrong with David. David had uh, treated King Saul, had served him very well and had did nothing but good by him. But again, I talked to early in the other podcast that make sure that you're suffering for righteousness sake and you're not suffering as a busybody or meddler in someone else's business or for doing evil. Because when, when you suffer for doing evil, there's no glory in that. But when you're suffering for righteousness sake, the Bible tells us that truly the glory of the Lord is resting upon you. So are you um, here this example of, well, of the story of David, 1 Samuel 18, please read the whole story. It's a lot in this. So here we have Saul. The, the only thing David was guilty of was being good, right? Isn't that what Christ was guilty of? The only thing he was guilty of was being good because he all those things that they said about him was lies and they was not true. And so the Bible said that when we choose to live for Christ, we too will suffer persecution, because how many of you know that devils don't die? So the same devils that was there in Jesus' day is those same devils that's here in our day. <laughs> devils don't die. So when do you have to love from a distance? Well, here's a perfect story. Even though David didn't have anything against King Saul, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 18, because of the anointing and the favor that was on um, David's life, and that because Saul saw that his daughter loved David um, and that the spirit of the Lord was on him it says Saul became an enemy uh, verse, 1 Samuel 18 28 it says the Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Micah Saul's daughter loved him and Saul was still more afraid of David so Saul became David's enemy continually now when you have an enemy a continual enemy. A continual enemy is someone who refused to forgive. And really, like I said earlier, is that forgiveness, unforgiveness, is really being angry about someone else's issues. Yes, it's okay for us to hate what God hates, but not to judge it. The Bible says love overcomes evil. So yes, you can forgive them, but when someone is constantly um, becoming continual and evil, when they have a wicked heart. Because remember, evil evil is a bad attitude. But wicked is a heart attitude. There's a difference between wicked and evil. So Saul had done moved into wickedness. And so the Bible says, so Saul became David's enemy. And, and, and continually. So now, it was no longer for Saul. He was going to the point of no return. Really headed towards a reprobate mind. Because his mind was no longer on trying to serve the Lord, trying to do what God say do. He was bent on destroying David. That's a terrible place to be. Are you bent on? Are you so full of hate and so full of bitterness 
that you're bent on trying to destroy someone. You're bent on trying to destroy their reputation. You're bent on trying to destroy their friendships. You're bent on trying to destroy their ministry. You're bent on trying to destroy their marriage. You're bent on trying to destroy their character. Whatever, know that that is not a good place. Because when you get wicked, that becomes a heart attitude. And see, the thing about it is we tend to think that we can... This is why the Lord say, vengeance is mine and I will repay. Why? Because in order to get even, you have to become just as evil. Okay? That's why we, especially as believers, we cannot practice vengeance. We have to leave that to the Lord. And our job in all of this, David's job in all, everything that King Saul tried to do, he tried to set him up, send him off the war to be killed. And but the, because the favor of God was on him, he kept rebounding. You don't have to worry. I'm saying this too. You don't have to worry about your enemies. Don't get focused on what the devil is doing. Don't be ignorant of the devil devices. Okay. Um, but the, I want you to know that the Lord, the angels of the Lord is doing warfare on your behalf, on our behalf, when we're walking in righteousness. When we're righteousness is walking in right standings with the Lord, doing the best that we know according to his word, according to our ability. Because when we know to do good and do it not for us to sin. But here David was hadn't did anything. He did good to he was doing good to Saul. But Saul kept giving giving him um evil in return for his good. If you give evil in return for good, let me find this. Let me find this. If you give evil, evil in return for good. The evil will not uh, depart from your house. Good. Evil will not return, depart from your house. Proverbs. Well, this is, listen. Um, Proverbs 17 and 13 says, If anyone returns evil for good, evil will never, evil will never leave the house of the one who pays back evil for good. Be careful with that. This is how, this is warfare. Don't become, the Bible say, don't become, oh, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this is a prime example of what David was doing. David was overcoming evil with good because on numerous occasions, he had a chance to kill Saul and he didn't. He even went down while he was sleeping, cut a piece of his robe and showed it to him. See, I could have killed you while you slept, but I didn't. Why are you doing this? And you know, the good thing about this story is that David understood that it that what Saul had going on didn't have anything to do with him. David, even though it was attack against him, David did not take it and make it about him because he kept saying, Saul, why are you, why are you trying to kill me? I've done nothing to you. I've always done right by you. So David understood and knew that the problem was not with him, but the problem was with him. How many of you know that um, people can be at odds with you, not because of something you did, but because of something that's inside of them? You don't even know you offended the person because that wasn't your intention. That's not what you did. But because of the condition of their heart, they took on the offense. Every time you take on the offense, you take it personal and you make it about them. Why come they just couldn't have been having a bad day? Okay. But here, David knew that what King Saul had going on had nothing to do with him. Matter of fact, he used to play for him when the demons used to come and torment him. Right? He said, look, I've been nothing but good to you, but in return for my good, 
Never return good, evil for good. When someone does good to you, you need to try to reciprocate. Because if you give evil to somebody, when they have done nothing but good to you and have not done nothing to you, that's a dangerous place to be. Because it says evil will never leave your house. You're going to open yourself up to that death angel. You open yourself up to that death angel. Because when it says evil will never leave your house, that's going to go, try to go down to your children and everything else. Don't do evil. Don't give evil in return for evil. You have to give good in return for evil because love overcomes evil. But even if it doesn't, because when a person is wicked, this is a person who refused to change. A wicked person is not going to change. King Saul is going towards a reprobate mind. It's already a hard heart because King Saul had a relationship with God. But when he turned his heart away from God, he killed up. He had his men to kill like 80 some prophets. Now, the thing that he used to worship is the thing he now hates because anything that's good reminds him of God. It reminds him of David. Envy is a very, well, there's envy and strife, Proverbs says, there's every evil kind of work. So he had went from evil to wickedness. First, he just didn't like him. He, he hated him. And then the Bible said he became his enemy. And even though David did not have anything in his heart against Saul, Saul had hate and murder in his heart towards David. You have to be careful for this. Now, as ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliators, Luke 6.35, the word Jesus says, but love your enemies. Who is your enemy? Your enemy is someone who hates you, right? So when he say love them, he said do good to them. But you can do good at a distance because that's how David had to do with King Saul. He could have killed King Saul. He came and cut off a piece of his robe. But yet he did not, he did, he still was doing good to the very man that was trying to take his life. Because when you do good to those that do evil to you, you're doing what God said to do. And that, that allows the vengeance of God to work on your behalf. How many of you know that God created people and he knows what it's going to take to turn them? But in this case, Saul hard was so hard. He was bent on doing evil. He had a wicked heart. And because he had a wicked heart, there was his, his mind, his heart, everything was bent on destroying what was good. Because David represented God to him. David represented everything that he used to be. He was envy. David, he feared him. He was afraid of him. Because he recognized the anointing that was on his life. And guess what? Demons will fear you when they come against you and they see that the favor of God, because no matter what you try to do, this is why God says, with those who love him and are called according to his purpose in Romans 8, that he will cause all things to work together for your good. It's good that you don't get tired of doing good. The Bible says, don't grow weary in doing good because in due season, you will reap the good you have told. You've got to continue to be good to your enemies. I'm not saying you have to sit down and sup and hang out with them because like in this case here, David could not hang with King Saul because King Saul had hate in his heart for David. He wanted to kill him. 
It wasn't because of anything he had done. It was because of the evil that the evil that was inside of him. But like I said, if you had a part to play, say you sorry and mean it. Now King Saul would play these little vicious games and he would tell Jonathan, uh, go tell David, you know, that I'm not gonna try to kill him. Right? He'll say, Go get him. Tell him I'm not gonna try to kill him. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to say it. But for real, he wasn't sincerely sorry. That was, he was trying to trick him because he wanted something from him. How many of you know that when people are sincerely sorry, that you'll be able to see it in their life, in their behaviors? Um, You can do loyalty tests. You can do loyalty tests on Facebook. Put up a good, a good happy post and see if that person who you really do have an idea is an enemy of yours, see if they hit on it or see if they unfriend you. That's their loyalty test. But um, Jonathan did a loyalty test for David. You know, David, Saul told, uh, told his son Jonathan, he said, go tell David, I'm not going to kill him. You know, tell him I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to kill him in, in 1 Samuel 19. It says, now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all the servants that they should kill him. But Jonathan came back, you know, he interceded on David's behalf. And he said, Father, why, you know, my father Saul seeks to kill you. He, Jonathan told David, saying, my father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit will let you know who your enemies are? <laughs> And your enemies, though they may try to hide and transform themselves into an angel of light, he will always reveal and expose to you. So David David came back on Jonathan's word. Jonathan told David, you know, I'll go to my father, stand beside my father in the field and, and all this kind of stuff. And then uh, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, verse, 1 Samuel 19 and 4. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life in his hand. He took his life in his hands, and he killed the Philistines, and the Lord brought a great deliverance in all of Israel. But that was the thing he was telling us of, right? You saw it and rejoiced. Even you saw the good that he did, and you rejoiced in it. Why then would you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? See, Jonathan said, you know what? You listen here. I want to, I want to say this. People will hate you and they won't even know why. <laughs> he didn't even have a reason to hate David. See, the reason he hated David was because he was jealous of David. It wasn't where David had did anything to him. So when you find people not liking you, they can't tell you why they don't like you. They're just jealous of you. Because that's why they don't like you. But our part as believers is not to go down that same rabbit trail with them. Our part as believers is to bless those that curse us and to do good to those that do evil to us. Pre-adventure, their heart has not come to a place that is so hard that they cannot repent. Having a reprobate mind. Every time we say no to God, we resist God. And every time we say no to God, we harden our heart. That's a dangerous place. So today I pray that if you're in the sound of my voice and you can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, that you will not harden your heart, but that you will come to repentance 
I like to tell people, the Bible says the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. Find, do something good for somebody so they can um, be drawn to repentance. But know this, that when you're dealing with a person with a wicked heart, they're not coming. They're not going to be drawn to repentance because a wicked hearted person has set their heart against God. And they say, I don't care what he say. I'm not going to forgive. I don't care what he say. I'm not going to forgive. That's don't do that because that's going towards a wicked heart. The Bible say that David Saul became an enemy of David's and his whole life was about trying to kill him, trying to destroy him because Dave Saul had become an enemy of David. Don't let your hate destroy you. Don't let your hate destroy you. But Saul had become an enemy of David. Not because David had did anything to him, but because he was envious of him. That's why Saul had become an enemy of David's. Because he was jealous of him. He recognized and saw the anointing that was on his life. And so when you run into people that don't like you and you hadn't did anything to them, the chances are that's you running up to that Saul spirit. They're jealous of you. But the sad thing about all of this is, is that there's nothing to be jealous of. So even though David loved King Saul, King Saul didn't love David. And because King Saul didn't love David, David could not sit his feet under his table because he was bent on destroying him. He was bent on destroying him. King Saul was bent on destroying David because simply because he was envious of him. It's not where he had did anything to him It's just that he was jealous of him. You know somebody like that? People who don't like you and you don't even know why because you hadn't did anything to them. Don't even really know them. It's because they're jealous of you. And envy is a very dangerous spirit. And I tell people don't play around with this spirit. I don't like people around me that's jealous of me. I don't even want them sitting in back of me. Because like Saul, they're plotting and they're planning wicked and evil. When you have a wicked heart, the Bible says, where there's envy and strife, there's every evil kind of work. And so Saul's heart was, was filled with envy and strife. And he was always plotting and planning. So when, um, thank you guys for joining in on my uh, YouTube live page. I'm sorry, I'm just not being able to get on. But I'm talking about shipwreck friendship relationships. I'm talking about the story of King Saul and uh, David and how when we're angry and, and, and unforgiving towards people is because we're angry at their issues and how King David knew and realized that what King Saul had going on didn't have anything to do with him but it was because of the evil that was inside his own heart so David where I was coming from second uh, Samuel 19 where David you know uh, 18 prior where he was saying why are you you know why are you trying to uh, 19 Jonathan saying to Saul why are you trying to kill David? Why are you trying to kill him? Why did you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? 
See, he has done nothing to you. Everybody's trying to find out their ex and so like, why don't you like me? I wonder why they don't like me. I hadn't did anything to them. Because it really wasn't about you. It was about the devil that was in them, the envy that was in their own heart. And where there's envy and strife, Proverbs says it's going to be every evil kind of work. Just know that there's a difference between evil and wicked. Do you know any of them? And when you're dealing with wicked people, those are going to be some shipwreck relationships. Those are going to be the ones that you're not going to be able to repair. I'm I'm not talking about evil people. I'm talking about wicked people. Because evil is an attitude, but wicked is a heart. Is a heart matter. It's a matter of the heart. Okay, I talked earlier about Proverbs, about uh, the seventh, the six things that God hates. And one of the things he hates is a heart that's, uh, that's wick, a wicked heart to scheme, plot and plan and evil. Um, but also, like I was saying earlier, if you, you had a part to play, you need to repent. Pick up, go to my um, podcast and, and pick up the rest of the episodes because I was having technical difficulties so I couldn't get on. But I'm here now. We're talking about 1 Samuel 19, shipwreck relationships. Um, we need to know, recognize our enemy. Your enemy is people that are have a wicked heart. Uh, I'm not talking about people that that who's been hurt and wounded. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who wish you dead. Okay. People who hate you without a cause because you really haven't did anything to them. You did not have a part to play. You know, it's just people people who you don't even know will hate you for no reason. And they can't tell you why they don't like you. Um, but it's because of that spirit of envy that's in them. Okay. So here we go to, to uh, 1 Samuel 19 and 6. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and Saul swore, as the Lord gives, he shall not be killed. So now here's John, Saul saying, I'm not going to kill him. You know, Jonathan interceded on uh, David's behalf. So he thought, you know, he's trying to put in a good word for him. You know, why y'all don't like this man? He ain't did nothing to you. You know, why y'all like this woman? Why y'all like this? He ain't did nothing to you. You know, why y'all acting evil towards this person? They ain't did nothing to you, right? So that's basically more or less what Jonathan was doing for David. He was like, why you want to shed innocent blood? This man ain't did nothing to you. You're doing this without a cause. You only have no reason not to like them. You only have a reason to wish them dead. You don't have a reason to try to sabotage them. You don't have a reason to try to mess up their character. You don't have a reason to lie on them. You don't have a reason to plot and plan and scheme. This is your enemy. A lot of people don't know when a person is an enemy or when a person is just hurt and wounded and acting evil. Acting evil and being wicked is two different things. I know some wicked people. I've encountered some wicked people. And when people are wicked, they are bent on your demise. These are not people that you can have sitting at your table. These are not people you can have in your life. You have to love these people from a distance because they're bent on your destruction. And they refuse to repent. But here Saul pretend to have repented in verse 1 Samuel 19 and six. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan. He was listening to him. He was pretending to listen to him. And he even swore to Jonathan. It says here that, so Saul, let me get back here. Hold on a minute. And so it says here, so Saul swore, he swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. 
Then Jonathan called David because Jonathan believed Saul. He believed that, oh, I'm not going to try to hurt him. Oh, I don't have anything against him. Oh, I like him. I'm not going to try to kill him. So Saul believed, Jonathan believed what Saul said, right? But how many of you know that repentance is evidence? You, When a person is really sorry, you'll see it in their behaviors. You'll see it in their attitude. You'll see it in their countenance. They're not just saying they're sorry because they trying to, they want something from you. They're not just saying they're sorry because they got caught. But they're really sincerely, when you're sorry to God. So I always tell people that unless a person get delivered, they're still the same. <laughs> you know, they may try to pretend for a minute to try to put on a front. But in a, you just, you just give it a, give it a second. Let that anger rise up in them and you're going to see that demon manifest again. Why? Because they haven't been delivered. And so here, Satan was transforming himself into an angel of light. He was pretending to be sorry because he he was plotting, planning, and scheming his heart. There was no, I had to tell someone once when I was in a situation, I said, there's no, no, there's no repentance. How did I know that there was no repentance? I could tell that there was no change uh, because their attitude was still the same. When people continue to do the same thing, they're not. Sometimes now, don't get me wrong, but when people refuse to refuse to change, that's because they're not sorry. But when people are trying to change and they're falling down, and, and and every time they think about it, every now and then they get angry. That's not that's not a wicked person. This is a person that learns needs to learn how to forgive. You guys go back to one of my podcasts. I talk about learning how to forgive. Because really, unforgiveness is being mad at someone else's issues. <laughs> I'm angry about what they said. I'm angry about what they did. I'm angry about how they are. But when David, this was a good, this is a good example of the story because David knew it wasn't anything wrong with him. That's why he kept asking Saul, what have I done to you? I've been nothing but kind to you. I've done nothing but good to you. Why are you trying to kill me? I've been kind to you. Right. David understood that what King Saul had going on was not about him. We have to learn how not to take other people's issues and make them about us. But how do we do that? We do that by not taking on the offense. When you take on the offense, when you take make how other people are about you, that's when it becomes personal. And then you be and then you begin to want vengeance. But see, David didn't want vengeance on King Saul. Sometimes you just want people to snap out of it and wake up. But really, Saul had went to the point of no return because now he had, he went from evil to wicked. He went from envy, because where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work, right? So he went from envy, because he was jealous of him, to hate, because it says he became his enemy. And now it's leading to murder, because hate leads to murder. He has a wicked heart, and the only thing he's bent on doing is destroying this man. He's going to the point of reprobate mind. He's at the place of reprobate mind because he spent the rest of his life trying to figure out how to destroy this person. And the way you could tell when a person has not changed is when they're saying the same thing, acting the same way. <laughs> There's oh, Repentance is a fruit, and you can see it. And so I had to say to someone once, I said, There's no repentance. There's no fruit of repentance. They're not sorry because they're acting the same. That's a dangerous place to be in. Because God said when we don't forgive, 
others, they won't forgive us. And I think the reason people have a hard time forgiving is because they think if by forgiving the person, they're saying they didn't do what they did. That's not forgiveness is really for you, first of all, because God said, if we don't forgive, he won't forgive. But just because you forgive a person don't mean that they have to sit at your table because when they've gone from evil to wicked, they will hurt you. And I have people in my life like that right now who I cannot be around because they've gone from evil to wicked. The longer you hold on to it, but then they'll pretend like King Saul said. So so Saul swore to Jonathan, oh, I'm cool. I, I like them. Everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to kill them. And so Jonathan, he convinced them because Jonathan wasn't discerning. So Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as in times past. Okay, come on. We can hang out again. We can come back. We can hang out again. So Jonathan brought David to King Saul. But see, his heart was not right. He was just plotting and planning. He was not sincere. He was not sorry for what he did. He was just a sheep, an angel uh, uh, disguising himself as an angel of light. But in his heart, for real, he was still dark. He had a wicked heart. And there was war again. So David came back in his presence and there was war again because Jonathan had interceded on his behalf. Said, why are you trying to kill him? He said, okay, I'm going to swear to you, Jonathan, that I'm not going to hurt him. Okay, let's come on. Let's come together. Let's read. Let's, okay, let's re- be friends again. Let's pretend to be friends again. I'm going to pretend to be his friend so he'll come back in my presence. So he'll start back being around me again. So he'll start back helping me again. But for real, I'm not his friend. Beware of that. David, King Saul, was an enemy of David's because he refused to forgive. Well, he hadn't did anything, but because of the envy that was in him. But like I said, if you did something wrong to someone, you're not suffering for righteousness sake. You need to repent and you need to ask that person for for forgiveness. But at the end of the day, it's still, even if that person never say they sorry, Forgiveness is for you because when we don't forgive the same, it puts us in the seat of judgment. And the Bible says, judge not lest you be judged because with the same measure that you used to judge someone else is going to come back to meet you. And so you, you'll end up doing the same thing to somebody else what that person did to you because you refuse to forgive. So just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you can hang around them because Saul, David didn't have anything against Saul, but because Saul wanted to kill him, he could not be, he could not come around him. This is when you have to love people from a distance. There's a time and a place, but we're not talking about people acting evil. We're talking about people being wicked. There is a difference between evil and wicked, and we have to be able to differentiate so we're not cutting people out of our lives. We're not cutting our assignments out of our lives. Some people are acting like that because they're hurt and they're wounded and they're broken. And some people are just bit on being wicked and evil. There's a difference. We have to know the two. So we're not cutting people out of our lives that we're supposed to minister to. Because as believers in Jesus Christ, we're called to be ambassadors and ministers or reconciliators called to win people to Christ not to put, cut them off but see when we don't understand this process we don't really know what our enemies are we think our enemy is a person that's acting evil 
But evil is an attitude, but wicked is a heart condition. When you, there's some, I've encountered some wicked, wicked, wicked spirits. And those people, guess what? They're not going to repent. Because and, and as long as they're bent on doing evil, because the Bible says this is Saul spent the rest of his life trying to kill David, trying to ruin his reputation, trying to destroy his marriage, trying to destroy him, trying to destroy his character. He lied on him. And then he no longer loved God. He didn't love God because that's what happens. You can't have love and hate. You can't say you love God and hate your brother who you can see. So David is a perfect example how to love your enemies. David is a, but even though David loved his enemies, he could not be around him. It wasn't because David had anything in his heart against them, but it was because they had everything. It was because Saul had hate and envy in his heart towards him. Can anyone identify with this? Your enemy is the person who has the wicked heart, not the not who's acting evil. Because people do certain things for different reasons. A lot of people are hurt and and just broken and need to be reconciled back to Christ. But then you have those wicked ones who's bent on your demise. And, And I don't know about you, but when I'm in the presence of wicked, I can discern wicked from evil. Can you discern wicked from evil? When I'm in the presence of wicked, I know. When you're dealing with a wicked spirit, principalities and powers and and, and, uh, things like that. When you're dealing with a wicked spirit, this spirit, when it gets around you, you can hear the rattlers like a rattlesnake. That's what I see when I see a wicked spirit. And I know who my enemies are. I know those that are hurting. I know the ones that's acting evil because they're hurting. Those are your assignments. Those hurting people, those broken people, because God is close to those with a broken and a contrite spirit. The people with the with a broken spirit, that's your assignment. And our goal as ambassadors and believers, our family members who's broken, they're not wicked. They might just act in evil because they're hurt and they're crushed and they're broken. We're called to reconcile them back to the Father. Not to cast them out and not to cut them off. So are they evil or are they wicked? It's a difference. Okay, Saul was wicked. He had a wicked heart. And he plot and he planned wicked all day long. And God hates that. How many know how God hates the Proverbs tells us that he hates a heart that devise wicked schemes. Those are one of the seven things that God hates. Six things in the seven um, Proverbs. What was that? We read that. Go back and listen to my podcast because you guys are coming in near the end of it. This is part two, actually. I couldn't get on for part one. Okay, so here he is. Then he said, okay, I'm not going to try to kill him. But then Saul said to Michael, why have you just... Okay, then Saul... Okay, let's go back. So Saul said he swore to Jonathan that he wasn't going to kill David, right? He pretended to be his friend. So he can bring him back into his presence. And so David, he, and so uh, here, 1 Samuel 19, 7, it says, then Jonathan called David and then David came back because 
he was letting David know, hey, David, it's cool. My dad said he ain't going to try to kill you. You can come down back over here. We're going to be friends again. <laughs> you can't be friends with your enemy. He said, and there and there was war again. And David went out and he fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow. And then and they fled from him. Now, the distressing spirit, that demon, because Saul refused to forgive. <laughs> that dist- I, 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 This is a real life story. And this is happening right now. People are being tormented by demonic spirits. It says, now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house and his spear was in his hand. See, now, remember he was trying to pretend like they was friends. David came back and killed the Philistines again, you know. But when that demonic spirit came on him, and he had that spirit in his hand, he threw it again, trying to kill David. And David was playing music with his hand. And David was playing music with his hand while Saul was sitting there with that spirit in his hand after that demonic spirit that came on him. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. So even though David, Saul said he had forgiven David, but every time that spirit comes on him to torment him, then he wants to try to kill him again. Because while this is a heart condition, this spirit is part of his life. He refused to let it go. He is an enemy. This is what an enemy looks like. An enemy has a wicked heart. Okay, he seeks to devour and to kill. Because he will not forgive. And so when he will not forgive a person who's bent on your demise, who has the devil has used as to has assigned to your life to try to destroy you. You cannot befriend a real enemy. But you are called as born-again believers to let your love overcome them. So look back in your life and you have to discern. If it's something that I said or did, then I need to say I'm sorry because maybe that alone will help this person. I don't know. But um, either way it goes, we're going to have to forgive the person. Is this person acting out because of something you did to them or said to them. If you have offended your brother, go and tell him you're sorry. Sometimes that's all a person needs to be healed is I'm sorry. But if you have done nothing wrong and this person is constantly bent on your demise, bent on destroying you, that's your enemy. An evil attitude is an evil attitude, but a wicked heart is a condition of the heart. A wicked, this is your enemy are those that have a wicked heart. Those that are trying to kill your reputation, trying to kill your character. Trying to kill you. But make sure that when you're suffering, because David was suffering not because of anything he done. He was really suffering for righteousness sake. He did everything right by Saul. He wasn't perfect. But what I'm saying is he hadn't did anything to Saul. So those people who hate you without a cause, who's jealous of you without a cause, those are your enemies. But we have to bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. You can't get in that same arena with them. Because as believers, we're called to be ambassadors of Christ. He said, bless those that curse you. Do good to those that do evil to you. Why? What is he doing? He's trying to keep us from seeking vengeance. 
He said, the way we forgive people is by treating them opposite to how they treat us. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those. See, everything that God tells us to do, he tells us how to do it. Forgiveness is for you so you can be free. Bless and wish no harm or hurt to anyone. I have some wicked people in my life. And I cannot fellowship with them. They'll pretend to be your friend. But sure enough, boom, that demon will pop its head. And then they're right back to that same wickedness again. Then Saul sent the messenger back to David. Now he done, he done, Jonathan done convinced David that everything's cool. You know, come on back around. Everything's cool. He's not going to try to kill you. David comes back playing the music for Saul again in verse 19. He throws the sword at him. He's trying to kill him. So Saul, and then he rants away from him. So David fled and escaped that night. First Samuel 19, 11 says, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. Right? He's still bent on trying to kill David. But David, uh, David, Saul's daughter Micah helped David to escape. He, he helped him to escape. But David always took the high road because even though Samuel, Saul was trying to kill him, David would all, David even came down and cut a piece of his robe to show to him, look, I could have killed you. But Jonathan, he still didn't believe that Saul was trying to kill him. Verse uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 20, it says, Then David fled from Niathan and Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? They hate him without a cause. I've had people that hate me without a cause. Didn't even know me. How, you hated me without a cause. They hated Jesus without a cause. Because for real, Jesus really was perfect in all his ways. And they went about doing nothing but good. But when you choose to live for Christ, the same devil that hated Jesus is the same devil's going to hate you. Because devils didn't die. Devils don't die. Those same spirits that roamed the earth when Jesus was here is still here roaming the earth. <laughs> And the same way they hated Jesus, who went about doing nothing but good, is the same way they will hate you. But the thing is, you cannot take it personal. You can't even take vengeance. The Lord said, vengeance is mine and I will repay. Because in order to get even, you have to come just become just as evil. Your job as a believer is to take the high road, not the low road. It's to still be kind to them when you can it's to still bless those that try to curse you. Why? Because God loves people. And he says, you can't say that you love God who you can't see. If you can't love your brother who you can see. We're called to take the higher road as ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliator. We are not allowed to act wicked under no circumstances. You can't do to them what they did to you. You can't treat them the way they treated you. That is against the word of God. Jesus tells us, bless those that curse you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. And when a person is evil, an evil person can be overcome by good. The Bible says love overcomes evil. It didn't say love overcomes wicked. But it did say that love overcomes evil. Evil is an, at, an, is an attitude, an action, but wicked is a heart condition. We have to be able to discern the two. Am I dealing with someone who's wicked or am I just dealing with someone who, who's acting hurt and who's evil? Who's acting evil because they're hurt? How many of you know that the word of God is the power of God? A wicked person 
is headed towards a reprobate mind. Saul, that's how those demons would come and torment his mind. And he would see demons and all this stuff because he refused to repent. So he had a reprobate mind. He was just bent on in his sick mind. He even thought that the Lord was with him. In his sick mind, his only purpose in life was to destroy King David because of the favor and the anointing of God that was on his life. It said he feared him because he would try to set him up and set him up on dummy missions thinking he was going to get killed. And he would always, the favor of God would always cause him to triumph. How many of you know that the favor of God, the grace of God is going to always cause us to triumph? That's why we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, because what we've been through, Christ has already been through. He's already conquered the conqueror. Greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. So as believers, we're not called to act evil when evil is done to us. It says love overcomes evil. Evil person, you they can be overcome by love. But a wicked person, that's another, that's another demon. That's a wicked spirit. You're dealing with a wicked spirit. And a wicked-hearted person is going to see demonic things. A wicked-hearted person is going to think that they're doing stuff for the Lord. That's deception. Because King Saul thought he was doing what the Lord wanted. So Jonathan said to him, by no means you should not die. Indeed, my father. Okay, so then David fled. After this, Jonathan had this conversation, he didn't know King David Saul tried to kill him again. So here in Samuel, 1 Samuel 20, have you ever had that to happen to you? Somebody pretend to be friends with you because they wanted something from you? And as soon as you did what they wanted, boom, here come them, here come the demon, just manifesting again. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, after I done did all this to them, and they, when people can give you evil in return for good, you're dealing with a wicked-hearted person. Okay, so so be careful. Know the difference. A bad attitude, an evil attitude could be a sign of someone who's hurting and wounded and need to be healed. But a wicked attitude, this thing was fueled by envy. Where there's envy and strife, there's every evil work. Make sure that you are blameless. Make sure that the reason a person is not angry with you is because of something you did or said. Because if you did, say you're sorry. Okay? It's up to them to accept it. It's not, you can't make a person to accept your apology. But say you sorry because forgiveness is really for us. If you had a part to play. Okay, so um, so Jonathan here, we see David had nothing against um, Saul. So he couldn't be, he couldn't come, he couldn't come to his house. He couldn't eat dinner with them. He couldn't fellowship with them. Why? Because of what was in their heart. It wasn't, it wasn't that he was evil. It was that they were evil. It was just, it was that because King Saul was evil. So then David took an oath again and said, your father. So Jonathan's okay here. So, cause Jonathan don't know what happened. Why David had to run off again. Okay. Then David fled from there and he went and said to Jonathan, cause he had to go and tell Jonathan, what have I done? Why is my Nick? What is my iniquity? I mean, what did I do? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? It's good to find out. You know, we need to search ourselves and say, Lord, did I do something? Is it something that I did? And even if it is, really, there's no excuse for it. But what I'm saying is, if you did have a part, just say you're sorry. Apologize. Pride is what keeps us from saying we're sorry. But if you're suffering for righteousness sake and you're innocent, and I, and I, I mean, I've had this to happen. Envy. People were jealous of me, and because they was jealous of me, they hated me. 
and just that saw spirit was there. That saw spirit was on. It wasn't where I said or did anything evil to them, but because they was envy. It was that spirit of envy. It was that saw spirit that began to manifest. Right. So then David fled. Okay. And then uh, by no means you should not die. So uh, David went and told uh, Jonathan what had happened. And so in verse 2, 1 Samuel 2, 22, Jonathan, so Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father would do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. You know, because he told him at first, you know, he was going to kill David, right? But he don't know that he done tried to kill him again. So David came back and said, And why should my father hide this thing from me? Is it not so? Why won't my father tell me? Why don't you think my father would tell me if he was going to kill you? I mean, after all, he told me in verse 19 that he was going to kill you. And I came and talked to him and interceded him and told me he shouldn't be doing this. You ain't did nothing but good by him. Okay, so he's not believing David, right? He said, my father ain't going to do nothing to harm you. Verse 3, then David took an oath again and said, your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, do not let Jonathan know this. Lest he be grieved. So this time he wasn't, he pretend like he wasn't going to hurt him. But the truth of the matter is Saul, King Saul's heart never had changed. It was still wicked. And sometimes no matter what people go through in life, when your heart is wicked, you're going to continue to come out the same kind of way. Because wicked is headed towards reprobate, a reprobate mind. A wicked hearted person has a reprobate mind. They're basically at a point of no return. So be careful because, see, unforgiveness leads to bitterness. And bitterness leads to hate. And hate leads to murder. Excuse me. And in order to, when you get to that point of hate, you're entering into wickedness. Because, see, instead of forgiving, you're letting this devil just constantly ride you. And that's why the spirit comes on you and begin to torment your mind and begin to speak and say these evil things about this person. And it just constantly keeps fueling the anger. Because one thing, being bitter does not make us better. And a lot of, we need to know, some of these, our relationships are shipwrecked that should not be shipwrecked. Because we cut people off who's really, who maybe, yes, maybe they did have an evil attitude. But having an evil attitude and a wicked heart is two different things. As ministers, ambassadors of Christ and ministers of reconciliators, we're called to reconcile people back to the Father. If they have an evil heart, they're acting evil, that's because somebody hurt them along the way. So as believers, especially in our family, we need to pray and say, God, give me wisdom to show me how to show me, use me to show goodness to this person so they can be drawn to repentance. The longer you hold on to evil, it turns, it can, it's going to turn into wicked because what you're doing is God says, if you don't forgive, then I can't forgive. Why? Because for God to forgive you, he would have to go against himself. Because God is, is a forgiving God. It was for, for God's so love that he forgave, that he gave his only begotten son. He cannot forgive you if you refuse to forgive others. And when we refuse to forgive others, we open ourselves. We go from evil to wicked. So David is a perfect example. I'm not going to get through this whole story. But David is a perfect example of how he was, even though Saul was wicked. 
I've had to do good to some wicked people in my life. And I knew that they were still wicked. But this, you know what? This is what the word tells us to do. But I can't hang with them and I can't be around them. Right? But he said, don't be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. He didn't say don't be. He said, he didn't say wicked. He said evil. It's a difference. Evil can be a bad attitude, a bad, nasty attitude. But wicked is a heart attitude. Evil can repent. But wicked has gone into reprobate. There's a wicked spirit. There's a difference between evil and wicked. Are you dealing with the evil spirit? Someone who's just crushed because God is near to those with a broken and a concrete spirit. Right? Are you dealing with someone who's acting evil because they've been crushed? Or are you dealing with someone who's wicked? It's a difference. Work with that evil person because love overcomes evil. And pray for that um, I don't even know if you would even pray for there is a sin that leadeth unto death because when you start getting into wicked, that's when you headed towards that reprobate because you're bent on, you're saying, no, God, I don't care what you say. I am going to do what I want to do. That's a dangerous place in life to be. So if you are in the sound of my voice today, my prayer is, is that before you get too wicked, because being bitter does not make us better. And the thing about it is we think that we can just be mean at this one person and we can compartmentalize our sin. It's okay. I just won't be nice to her. Okay. I'm going to cut her off. Quit cutting so quick to cut people off. Now, John, Dave, Dave, uh, Saul was being motivated by a spirit of envy. Okay. Make sure that you have an opportunity to witness to this person in some way the love of God before you just cut the people off. Because regardless of how bad Saul was to David, even though David had to love him from a distance, he still was good to Saul because he had the opportunity to kill him, and he didn't. He had the opportunity to get vengeance. He literally cut a piece of his robe while he was sleeping. And he didn't. He had an opportunity to get even, to do evil to him like he was trying to do evil to him, but he didn't do that because he respected that he, he said, I'm not going to touch God's anointed nor do him any harm. He had a respect for God. He had a relationship with God. And like us, we too must do like David did. And we too must say like David said. God said, vengeance is his. I don't get to repay. But I understand because this person is wicked. I can't hang around them. And even though I don't have anything in my heart against them, it's the evil that's inside of them. It's the envy that's inside of them. So, my question to you is like David was saying, what is it? What is it that I've done to you? Maybe you need to ask that person if you know, because you can discern if you're dealing with a. Now, if you're dealing with a wicked spirit, you already know what it is. But if you're dealing with an evil spirit, you might need to say to this person, what is it I've done to you? I've, I've done nothing but good to you. I mean, I don't even really know. You had to tell someone once, you don't know me. You hate me without a cause. And in return for my good, you gave me evil. So Proverbs says that if you give good in return for evil, 
If you give evil in return for good, the evil will not leave your house. That's You don't want that because that death angel will come through there and begin to sweep. You don't want that. You don't want, don't give evil in return for good. And don't do evil for evil because the thing about it is, this is why the Lord said vengeance is mine because in order to get even, you have to become just as evil. So the Lord says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. I need you to bless those that curse you. I need you to pray for those that despitefully use you. And remember Ephesians 6 and 12, that your fight is not against this flesh and blood person, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual, you know, in, in wicked places. Are you contending with the wicked spirit? Or is this person just acting evil because they're crushed and they're broken? And maybe they have a root of rejection. A lot of times... That's what it is, is a root of rejection. But when you run into a wicked spirit, you're going to know it, baby, because there's nothing good you can do for them that's going to cause them to like you because it's not them. It's a wicked spirit that's in them that's sent on assignment to destroy you. When Saul refused to forgive, he took on the assignment of the devil. He killed 80-some prophets. The God he used to serve, now he hates, and he's killing up his people. And anything or anybody that reminds him of the goodness of God or that who tried to help David along the way became Saul's enemy. In other words, if you like them, if you are a friend of theirs, you can't be a friend of mine. I've seen this spirit in operation. Are you dealing with an evil spirit, someone who's crushed, someone who has a spirit of rejection, has a root of rejection? Are you dealing with wicked? God is interested in household. But some of these relationships are shipwrecked because of these two forces that's in effect. Is it evil? And we're misidentifying. We're taking people issues and we're making them about us. But like David, it's like, well, I've done nothing but good to you, but yet you still hate me. Did they not just hate Jesus? How many of you know that when you choose to live for Christ, you're going to suffer persecution? So move past that. We must say as ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation, we need to, we are called to be peacemakers. We're called to reconcile people back to the Father. When you're dealing with wicked, that's reprobate. But when you're dealing with evil, crush, broken, concrete spirits, say, Lord, show me how to minister to the need of this person. Most of the time, you, especially in your family, you know their story. So you know that this person is crushed and broken. Don't take a person that's crushed and broken. And, and, and cut them off. But ask God for wisdom in what to say and how to deal with them. So you can reconcile. Lord, what, what can I do? What good can I do for them? David cut a piece of Saul's robe when he slept. He did good by him. But it didn't matter how good he did by him because Saul was demon-possessed. Saul was wicked. You can't, he didn't say good love overcomes wicked. He said love overcomes evil. Find somebody to be good by. See if you can help restore some of those shipwrecked relationships. Go back and look at it and say, are they crushed? Do they have a root of rejection or are they wicked? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to discern the two. And I'm getting ready to end here. You guys, please go back and read Samuel, 1 Samuel. 18 through 20, 21, 22. Read the book of Samuel. This is where my lesson is coming from. Shipwreck relationships. Are you still angry about someone else's issues? Are you still angry about how they are? I'm getting ready to end it here. You guys be blessed.
be so encouraged and keep looking for the good in your day so you can see God's goodness all throughout your day. And remember to pick up part one of this on my uh, podcast, Shipwreck Relationship Part One. And I'm getting ready to end it here. You guys be blessed and be encouraged. And um, get in the Word and read Samuel. Okay? Love you all. I'm going to end it here.